It's been a while since we've checked in with the mechanicals, the craftsmen, the wannabe actors rehearsing a play scheduled for Theseus's wedding. I'm sure everything is going dope, sick, and abundantly Gucci. Well, there might be this slight snag. They're not the most brilliant people. They're deciding to add in some extra parts. They want an actor to play the role of a stone wall. They want an actor to play the role of romantic moonlight. And they want an actor who plays a lion to first warn the audience, I am not really a lion, don't be scared, I'm just an actor. Okay then. Puck, the head jester of the fairies, is passing nearby when he sees the mechanicals, and especially that loudest of mechanicals, Bottom, and decides he's going to add in a new extra part himself. When no one else is looking, Puck magically transforms Bottom's head into the head of an, uh, well, well let's, let's just say a donkey. Of course... When Bottom starts singing, Queen Titania, sleeping nearby, is awakened, her eyes filled with the enchanted juice of love, and I wonder who she will see first, and instantly fall in love with. <sighs> oh my. Let's listen. <laughs> Stage, this Hawthorne break our tiring house, and we will do it in action as we will do it before the Duke. Peter Quince! What sayst thou, bully bottom? There are things in this comedy of Pyramus and Thisbe that will never please. First, Pyramus must draw a sword to kill himself, which the ladies cannot abide. How answer you that? Fire link in a parlor sphere! I believe we must leave the killing out when all is done. Not a whit. I would advise to make all well. Grant me a prologue, and let the prologue seem to say we will do no harm with our swords, and that Pyramus is not killed indeed. And, for the more better assurance, tell them that I, Pyramus, am not Pyramus, but Bottom, the Weaver. This will put them out to fear. No. We will have such a prologue, and it shall be written in eight and six. No! Make it two more. Last year it's an eight and eight. Will not the ladies be afeard of the lion? I fear it, I promise you. Masters, you ought to consider yourselves to bring in. God shield us! A lion among the ladies is the most dreadful thing, for there is not a more fearful, wild, foul than your lion living, and we ought to look to it. Therefore, another prologue must tell he is not a lion. Nay, you must name his name and half his face must be seen through the lion's neck, and he himself must speak through, saying thus to the same defect. Ladies, or fair ladies, I would wish you, or I would request you, or I would entreat you not to fear, not to tremble, my life for yours. If 
You think I come hither as a lion or a pity of my life? No, I am no such thing. I am a man as other men are. And, and there indeed, let him name his name and tell them plainly, he is snug, the joiner. Well, it shall be so. But there is two hard things, that is. To bring the moonlight into a chamber, for, you know, Pyramus and Thisbe meet by moonlight. Doth the moon shine that night we play our play? A calendar, a calendar, look in the almanac, find out moonshine, find out yes, moonshine. Yes, it doth shine that night. Why, then may you leave a casement of the great chamber window where we play open, and the moon may shine in at the casement. Ah, or else one must come in with a, a bush of thorns and a lanthorn and say that he, uh, he comes to disfigure or to present the person of the moonshine. Then there is another thing. I must have a wall in the great chamber, for Pyramus and Thisbe, says the story, did talk through a chink of wool. You can never bring in a wall. What say you, Bottom? Some man or other must present a wall. Let him have some plaster or some loam or some gruff cast about him to signify wall. Let him hold his fingers thus, and through the cranny shall Pyramus and Thisbe whisper. If that may be, then all is well. Come, sit down, every mother's son, and rehearse your part. Pyramus, you begin. When you've spoken into your speech, enter into that break. And so everyone according to his cue. Master, fly, Master, help! 
I'll lead you about around. Right, the briar. Sometime a horse I'll be. Sometime a hound, a hog, a headless bear. Sometime a fire. And neigh and bark and grunt and roar and burn. Like a horse, hound, hog, bear, fire. At every turn. <laughs> Why do they why do they run away? This is the navy of them to make me afraid. Oh bottom, thou art changed. What do I see on thee? What do you see? Do you ask of your own? Do you? Bless thee, bottom. Bless thee, thou art. Translated. Lastly, the knavery. This is to make an ass of me. To fright me if they could. But I will not stir from this place. Do what they can. I will walk up and down here. I will sing that they shall hear. I am not afraid. The also cock so black of you, with orange tawny bill, the theosel with his note so true, the grand little quill. What? The angel hates me for my flowery bed. The finch and the sparrow and the lump, the plain song cuckoo gray, whose notes for many a man doth not, who dares not answer nay. Indeed, he would say his wit so foolish a bird, who gave a bird the lie. That he cried cuckoo? Never so. I pray thee, gentle mortal, sing again. Mine ear is much enamored of thy notes. So is mine eye enthralled to thy shape, and thy fair virtues forth preforth doth move me. On the first view to say, to swear, I love thee. Oh, me thinks, mistress, you should have little reason for that. And yet, to say the truth, reason and love keep low company together nowadays. The more the pity that some honest neighbors will not make them friends, nay, I can gleek upon occasions. Thou art as wise as thou art beautiful. Not so, neither. But if I had wit enough to get out of this woods, I have enough to serve my own turn. Out of this wood do not desire to go. Thou shalt remain here, whether thou wilt or no. I am a spirit of no common rate. The summer still doth tend upon my state. And I do love thee, therefore go with me. I'll give thee fairies to attend on thee. And they shall fetch thee jewels from the deep, and sing while thou on pressed flowers dost sleep. Thou purge thy mortal grossness so, that thou shalt like an airy spirit go. Peace blossom, cobweb, moth, mustard seed. Ready! And I! And I! And I! Where shall we go? Be kind and courteous to this gentleman. Hop in his walks and gamble in his eyes. Feed him with apricots and dewberries, with purple grapes, green figs, and mulberries. The honey bags steal from the humble bees, and for night tapers crop their waxen thighs, and light them at the fiery glowworm's eyes, to have my love to bed and to arise, and pluck the wings from painted butterflies, to fan the moonbeams from his sleeping eyes, Nod to him, elves, and do him courtesies. Hail, mortal! Hail! Hail! Hail!
to cry your worship's mercy popularly. I beseech your worship's name. Cobweb. I shall desire you more acquaintance, good master Cobweb. If I cut my finger, I shall make bold with you. Okay. Name, honest gentleman. Pea Blossom. I pray you, commend me to Mrs. Squash, your mother, the master Peascod, your father, good master uh, Please Blossom. Okay. I desire more of your acquaintance too. Your name, I beseech you, sir. Mustard Seed. Good master Mustard Seed. I know your patience well. That same cowardly, giant-like ox beef hath devoured many gentlemen of your house. I promised you your kindred had made my eyes water now. I should desire you more acquaintance, good master Mustard Seed. Oh, yeah! Come, wait upon him. Lead him to my bower. The moon methinks looks with the watery eye. And when she weeps, weeps every little flower, lamenting some enforced chastity. Tie up my love's tongue, bring him silently. The fairy Puck tells his master Oberon that the magical manipulations against Oberon's wife are going splendidly. Marital bliss. Suddenly, the young Athenians Demetrius and Hermia come blasting out of the forest, with Hermia accusing Demetrius of having probably killed her beloved Lysander when she was asleep. You know, typical high school stuff. Oberon scolds Puck for having clearly juiced the wrong man, and so he sprinkles the flower potion on Demetrius's eyes as the loveless lad settles down to sleep. In the wood. Hmm. Okay. Of course, Helena and a hotly pursuing Lysander soon appear at the exact same spot, so that when Demetrius awakes he is struck head over heels for Helena at last. Only one teensy hitch. Now both young men, who used to love Hermia, have, yes, both of them, been bewitched into loving Helena. The two young men exchange insults and Hermia runs over to the quarrel. She and Helena, such lifelong pals, like sisters really, get into a bit of a verbal scrape. Each thinking the other has premeditatedly planned this pugilistic pandemonium as some prolonged and pathetic prank. The girls prepare to battle with their nails, and the boys with some sticks. The chaos escalates until Puck, on Oberon's orders, brings everything to rest, shouting in imitation of each girl or boy in order to lead the enemies in opposite directions until their fury tires out, and the four teenagers finally collapse, exhausted. One final touch of magic... Puck removes the lovey powers from Lysander's eyes. Let's listen in. I wonder if Titania be awake. Then, what was it that next came in her eye, which she must dote on in extremity? Ah, here comes my messenger. How now, mad spirit? What night rule now about this haunted grove? <laughs> My mistress with a monster is in love, near to her so close and concentrated bower. While she was in her dull and sleeping hour, a crew of patches, 
rude mechanicals that work for bread upon Athenian stalls were met together to rehearse a play intended for great Theseus's nuptial day, the shallowest thick skin of that barren sort who Pyramus presented in their sport forsook his scene and entered into a break. When I did him at this advantage take an his no life fixed upon his head, anon his thisbe must be answered, and forth my mimic comes, when they him spy as wild geese that the creeping fowler eye, or russet painted chaffs in many sort, rising and calling at the gun's report, sever themselves and madly sweep the sky, so at sight away his fellows fly, and at our stamp here o'er and o'er one falls, he murder cries and help from the Athenian calls, their sense thus weak, lost with their fears thus strong, made senseless Things begin to do them wrong. Where briars and thorns at their apparel snatch, some sleeves, some hats from yielders, all things catch. I led them in this on in this distracted affair, and left sweet Pyramus translated there. When in that moment, so it came to pass, Titania waked and straightway loved an ass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this falls out better than I could devise. Ah, but hast thou yet latched the Athenian's eyes with the love juice, as I did bid thee do? I took him sleeping, that is finished too, and the Athenian woman by his side, that when he waked, of force she must be eyed. Oh, stand close, this is the same Athenian. This is the woman, but not this the man. Oh, why rebuke you him that loves you so? Lay breath so bitter on your bitter foe. Now I but chide, but I should use thee worse, for thou, I fear, hast given me cause to curse. If thou hast slain Lysander in his sleep, being o'er shoes and blood, plunge in the deep and kill me too. The son was not so true unto the day as he to me. Would he have stolen away from sleeping Hermia? I'll believe as soon this whole earth may be bored, and that the moon may through the center creep, and so displease her brother's noontide with Antipodes. It cannot be but thou hast murdered him, so should a murderer look so dead, so grim. So should the murdered look, and so should I, pierce through the heart with your stern cruelty, yet you, the murderer, look as bright, as clear as yonder Venus in her glimmering sphere. What's this to my Lysander? Where is he? Ah, good Demetrius, wilt thou give him me? I'd rather give his carcass to my hounds. Out, dog! Out, cur! Thou drivest me past the bounds of maiden's patience. Hast thou slain him, then? Henceforth be never numbered among men. Oh, once tell true, tell true, even for my sake. Durst thou have looked upon him being awake, and hast thou killed him sleeping? Oh, brave touch, could not a worm and adder do so much? And adder did it, for with doubler tongue than thine, thou serpent, never adder stung. You spend your passion on a misprized mood. I am not guilty of Lysander's blood, nor is he dead, for aught that I can tell. I pray thee, tell me then that he is well. And if I could, what should I get there for? A privilege never to see me more, and from thy hated presence part I so, see me no more, whether he be dead or no. There is no following her in this fierce vein. Here, therefore, for a while I will remain, so sorrow's heaviness doth heavier grow, for debt that bankrupt sleep doth sorrow owe, which now in some slight measure it will pay, if for his tender here I, am make, I make some stay. What hast thou done? Thou hast mistaken quite and laid the love juice on some true love sight. Of thy misprison must perforce ensue, 
Some true love turned, and not a false turn to true. Then fate overrules that one man holding troth, the million fall, confounding oath and oath. About the wood go swifter than the wind, and Helena of Athens look thou find. All fancy sick she is, and pale of cheer, with sighs of love that costs the fresh blood dear. By some illusion, see thou bring her here. I go, I go, look how I go, swifter than arrow from the Tartar's bow. Flower of this purple dye, hit with Cupid's archery, sink in apple of his eye. When his love he doth espy, let her shine as gloriously as the Venus of the sky. When thou wakest, if she be by, beg of her for remedy. Captain of our fairy band, Helena is here at hand, and the youth, mistook by me, pleading for a lover's fee. Shall we their fond pageant see? Lord, what fools these mortals be! Stand aside. The noise they make will cause Demetrius to awake. Then will two at once woo one that must needs be sport alone. And those things do best please me that befall preposterously. Why should you think that I should woo in scorn? Scorn and derision never come in tears. Look, when I vow, I weep, and vow so born. In the nativity, all truth appears. How can these th things in me seem scorn to you, bearing the badge of faith to prove them true? You do advance your cunning more and more. When truth kills truth, oh, devilish holy fray, those vows are Hermia's, will you give her o'er? Weigh oath with oath, and you will nothing weigh. Your vows to her and me, put in two scales, will even weigh in both as light as tales. I had no judgment when to her I swore. Nor not in my mind, now you give her o'er. Demetrius loves her, and he loves not you. Oh, Helena, goddess, nymph, perfect, divine, to what my love shall I compare thine eye? Crystal is muddy, oh, how ripen show. Thy lips, those kissing cherries, tempting grow. That pure congealed white, high Taurus snow, fanned with the eastern wind, turns to a crow when thou holdst up thy hand. Oh, let me kiss this princess of pure white, this seal of bliss. Oh, spite, oh, hell! I see you all are bent to set against me for your merriment. If you were civil in your courtesy, you would not do me thus much injury. Can you not hate me as I know you do, but you must join in souls to mock me too? If you were men, as men you are in show, you would not use a, a gentle lady so, to vow and swear and super praise my parts, when I am sure you hate me with your hearts. You both are rivals and love Hermia. And now both rivals to mock Helena? A trim exploit, a manly enterprise, to conjure tears up in a poor maid's eyes with your derision? None of noble sort would so offend a virgin, an extort, a poor soul's patient, all to make you sport. You are unkind, Demetrius, be not so, for you love Hermia, this you know I know. And here, with all good will, with all my heart, in Hermia's love I yield you up my part, and yours of Helena to me bequeath, whom I do love and will do to my death. Never did mockers waste more idle breath. Lysander, keep thy Hermia, I will none. If e'er I loved her, all that love is gone. My heart to her but as guest-wise sojourned, and now to Helen is at home returned, there to remain. Helen, it is not so. Disparage not the fate thou dost not know, lest to thy peril thou will buy it dear. Look where thy love comes, yonder is thy dear. 
Dark night, that from the eye his function takes, the ear more quick of apprehension makes, wherein it doth impair the seeing sense, it pays the hearing double recompense. Thou art not by mine eye, Lysander, found, mine ear, I thank it, brought me to thy sound. But why unkindly didst thou leave me so? Why should he stay whom love doth press to go? What love could press Lysander from my side? Lysander's love that would not let him bide, fair Helena, who more engilds the night than all your fiery o's and eyes of light. Why seekest thou me? Could not this make thee know the hate I bear that made me leave thee so? You speak not as you think, it cannot be. Lo, she's one of this confederacy. Now I perceive they have conjoined all three to fashion this false sport in spite of me. Injurious Hermia, most ungrateful maid, have you conspired, have you with these contrived to bait me with this foul derision? Is all the counsel that we two have shared, the sisters' vows, the hours that we've spent, when we have chid the hasty-footed time for parting us, oh, is it all forgot? All school days, friendship, childhood, innocence? We, Hermia, like two artificial gods, have with our needles created both one flower, both on one sampler, sitting on one cushion, both warbling of one song, both in one key, as if our hands, our sides, voices, and minds have been incorporate. So we grow together, like to a double cherry seeming parted, but in union and partition, two lovely berries molded on one stem. So with two seeming bodies, but one heart, two of the first like coats of heraldry, do but to one and crowned with one crest. And will you rent our ancient love asunder to join with men in scorning your poor friend? It is not friendly, tis not maidenly. Our sex as well as I may chide you for it, though I alone do feel the injury. I am amazed at your passionate words. I scorn you not, it seems that you scorn me. Have you not set Lysander as in scorn to follow me and praise my eyes and face? And made your other love Demetrius, who even but now did spur me with his foot, to call me goddess, nymph, divine and rare, precious celestial? Wherefore speaks he this to her he hates? And wherefore doth Lysander deny your love, so rich within his soul, and tender me forsooth affection? but by your setting on, by your consent? What thought I be not so in grace as you, so hung up with love, so fortunate, but miserable most to love unloved? This you should pity rather than despise. I understand not what you mean by this. I do persevere, counterfeit sad looks, make mouths upon me when I turn my back, wink each at other, hold the sweet just up. This sport, well carried, shall be chronicled. If you have any pity, grace, or manners, you would not make me such an argument. But fare ye well, tis partly my own fault, which death or absence soon shall remedy. Stay, gentle Helena, hear my excuse. My love, my life, my soul, fair Helena. Oh, excellence. Sweet, do not scorn her so. If she cannot entreat, I can compel. Thou canst compel no more than she entreat. Thy threats have no more strength than her weak prayers. Helen, I love thee, by my life I do. I swear by that which I will lose for thee to prove him false that says I love thee not. I say I love thee more than he can do. If thou say so, withdraw and prove it too. Quick, come! Lysander, where to tends all this? Away, you Ethiope. No, no! He'll seem to break loose. Take on as you would follow, but yet come not. You are a tame man. Go! Hang off, thou cat, thou burr, vile thing. Let loose, or I will shake thee from me like a serpent. Why are you grown so rude? What change is this? Sweet love. Thy love out, Tommy Tartar out. Out, loathed medicine, hated potion, hence. 
Do you not jest? Yes, sooth, and so do you. Demetrius, I will keep my word with thee. I would I had your bond, for I perceive a weak bond holds you. I'll not trust your word. What? Should I hurt her? Strike her? Kill her dead? Although I hate her, I'll not harm her so. What? Can you do me greater harm than hate? Hate me wherefore? Oh me, what news, my love? Am I not Hermia? Are you not Lysander? Am I as fair now as I was erewhile? Since night you loved me, yet since night you left me. Why, then you left me, oh, the gods forbid, in earnest, shall I say? Aye, by my life, and never did desire to see thee more. Therefore, be yet of hope, of question, of doubt, be certain, nothing truer. Tis no jest that I do hate thee and love Helena. Oh, me, you juggler, you canker blossom, you thief of love. What, have you come by night and stolen my love's heart from him? Fine faith, have you no modesty, no maiden shame, no touch of bashfulness? What, will you tear impatient answers from my gentle tongue? Fie, fie, you counterfeit, you puppet, you! Puppet? Why so? Aye, that way goes the game. Now I perceive that she hath made compare between our statures. She hath urged her height, and with her personage, her tall personage, her height forsooth, she hath prevailed with him. And are you grown so high in his esteem because I am so dwarfish and so low? How low am I, thou painted maypole? Speak! How low am I? I am not yet so low but that my nails can reach unto thine eyes. I pray you, though you mock me, gentlemen, let her not hurt me. Ow! I was never cursed. I have no gift at all in truishness. I am a right maid for my cowardice. Let her not strike me. You perhaps may think because I am something lower than myself that I can match her. Lower? Hark again! Good Hermia, do not be so bitter with me. I evermore did love you, Hermia. Did ever keep your counsel, never wronged you, save that in love unto Demetrius. I told him of your stealth unto this wood. He followed you, for love I followed him. But he hath chid me hence, and threatened me, to strike me, spur me, nay, to kill me too. And now so you will let me quiet go, to Athens Will I bear my folly back, and follow you no further? Let me go. You see how simple and how fond I am. Why, get you gone. Who is that hinders you? A foolish heart that I leave here behind. What, Lysander? With Demetrius. Be not afraid. She shall not harm thee, Helena. No, sir, she shall not, though you take her part. Oh, when she's angry, she is keen and shrewd. She was a vixen when she went to school, and though she be but little, she is fierce. Little again! Nothing but low and little! Why will you suffer her to flout me thus? Let me come to her. Get you gone, you dwarf, you minimus, a hindering not grass maid, you bead, you acorn. You are too officious in her behalf that scorns your services. Let her alone. Speak not of Helena. Take not her part, for if thou dost intend, never so little show of love to her. Thou shalt abide it. Now she holds me not. Now follow, if thou darest, to try whose right of thine or mine is most in Helena. Follow? Nay, I'll go with thee, cheek by jowl. You mistress, all this coil is long of you. Nay, go not back. I will not trust you. I nor longer stay in your cursed company. Your hands and mine are quicker for a fray. My legs are longer, though, to run away. I am amazed and know not what to say. This is thy negligence. Still thou mistakest else committest thy knaveries willfully. Believe me, King of Shadows, I, I mistook. Did not you tell me I should know the man by the Athenian garments he had on? 
And so far, blameless proves my enterprise that I have anointed an Athenian's eyes. And so far, am I glad it did so sort, as their jangling I esteem a sport. Thou seest these lovers seek a place to fight. Hi, therefore, Robin, overcast the night. The starry welkin cover thou anon with drooping fog as black as Archeron. And leave these testy rivals so astray as one come not within another's way. Like to Lysander, sometime frame thy tongue, then stir Demetrius up with bitter wrong. And sometime rail thou like Demetrius, and from each other look thou lead them thus, till over their brows death counterfeiting sleep with laden legs and batty wings doth creep. Then crush this herb into Lysander's eye, whose liquor hath this virtuous property, to take from thence all error with his might, and make his eyeballs roll with wanted sight. When they next wake, all this derision shall seem a dream and fruitless vision. And back to Athens shall the lovers wend, with league whose date till death shall never end. Whilst I in this affair do thee employ, I'll to my queen and beg her Indian boy, and then I will her charm thy release from monsters' view, and all things shall be peace. My fairy lord, this must be done with haste, for night's swift dragons cut the clouds full fast, and yonder shines Aurora's harbinger, at whose approach ghosts wandering here and there troop home to churchyards, damned spirits all, that in crossways and floods have burial, already to their wormy beds are gone, for fear lest day should look their shames upon, they willfully themselves exile from light, and must for I consort with black browned and night. Ah, but we are spirits of another sort, I, with the morning's love, have oft made sport, and, like a forester, the groves may tread, even till the eastern gate all fiery red, opening on Neptune with fair blessed beams, turns into yellow gold his salt green streams. But, notwithstanding haste, make no delay, we may affect this business yet ere day. Up and down, up and down, I will lead them up and down. I am afeard in field and town. Goblin, lead them up and down. <gasps> Here comes one. Where art thou, proud Demetrius? Speak thou now. Here, villain, draw and ready. Where art thou? I will be with thee straight. Follow me then to plainer ground. <sighs> Lysander, speak again. Thou runaway, thou coward. Art thou fled? Speak. In some bush, where dost thou hide thy head? Thou coward, art thou bragging to the stars, telling the bushes that thou lookest for wars and wilt not come? Come, recrank, come, thou child. I'll whip thee with a rod. He is defiled that draws a sword upon thee. Yea, art thou there? Follow my voice. We'll try no manhood here. He goes before me and still dares me on. When I come where he calls, then he is gone. The villain is much lighter heeled than I. I follow fast, but faster he did fly. In that fallen, I am in dark and uneven way, and here will rest me. Come, thou gentle day, for if I but once thou show me thy gray light, I'll find Demetrius and revenge this spite. Oh, <laughs> coward, why comest thou not? Abide me, if thou darest, for well I what thou runst before me. 
shifting every place and darest not stand, nor look me in the face. Where art thou now? Come hither. I am here. <sighs> Nay then, thou mockest me. Thou shalt buy this dear, if ever I thy face by daylight see. Now go thy way. Faintness constraineth me to measure out my length on this cold bed. My day's approach look to be visited. Oh, weary night, oh, long, tedious night, abate thy hour. Shine comforts from the east, that I may back to Athens by daylight. From these that my poor company detest, and sleep that sometimes shuts up sorrow's eyes. Stew me a while for my own company. Yet but three? Come one more. Two of both kinds make up four. Here she comes, cursed and sad. Cupid is a knavish lad, thus to make poor females mad. Never so weary, never so in woe, the devil with the dew and torn with briars. I can no further crawl, no further go. My legs can keep no pace with my desires. Here will I rest me till the break of day. Heavens shield Lysander, if they mean fray. On the ground, sleeping sound, I'll apply to your eye, gentle lover, remedy. When thou wakest, thou takest true delight in the sight of thy former lady's eye. And the country proverb known that every man shall take his own in your waking shall be shown. Jack shall have Jill, naught shall go ill. The man shall have his mare again, and all shall be well. right? But now it looks like finally at least the right people are together. Hermia is back with her bae, Lysander, who's apparently had LASIK eye surgery, and Demetrius is still under the love potion spell, so that he's smitten for like ever with Helena. In Act 4, they'll wake up none the wiser, and you can only assume that they'll live happily ever after. Tune in for our next episode to hear what's going on with the fairies and the mechanicals, and also Theseus and Hippolyta's wedding plans. Will Aegeus be cool with Hermia marrying her Lysi? Or will he still want to have her killed? We'll find out on the next episode of our Midsummer Night's podcast. Fairies, away!